You have tuned in to the Lifted Lamb Radio, where Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We hope you enjoy your time here as we preach and teach God's Word to try to help us all grow closer to Him. And if you don't know Jesus, we pray you get to know Him before it's everlasting too late. Praise the Lord. I thank God that that I found that way on that Sunday morning. We say, what way is that? The way to, to everlasting life, the way to Jesus Christ. I found him on that Sunday morning when he spoke to my heart and I got up out of that old pew and I hit that altar and asked him to come into my life. And I ain't never been the same since because that's what he does. He he makes a new creature out of you, the Bible says. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Thank the Lord for that, that he is able to take somebody that was neck deep in sin and pull him up out of that old miry pit, up out of that old clay, and set his foot on a solid foundation. That's what Christ can do for you here if you'll just let him. That's the main thing. We've got to let him do these things. He's not going to force it on anybody. He's not going to make anybody do anything that they're not willing and wanting to do. But thanks be to God that that he is there. He is your ever-present help in time of need, in times of trouble. But I found that way, like the song says, I have found the way that leads to endless day. Over in glory land. That is our blessed hope here tonight. Our blessed hope is knowing that when this life is over, we got another life waiting for us there with him. That we're going to get to see him face to face one of these days. Those that are born again children of God. Those are the ones that's, that's going home. Like the old preachers will say, just here after a while, we'll get to cross that old chilly Jordan. But I thank the Lord for what he does, what he is what he can do and what he will do if we'll just let him work and, and be, be real in our lives. That's what he wants. He wants us to be real with him and he'll be real with us. But like we said in the beginning of the show, we don't plan to do anything other than teach and preach Jesus Christ, teach and preach his word. The Bible says that we are begotten by the word. Anything outside of his word it's just a, a non-truth. It's just a fable. All these things that you see in this world does not compare to the truth in God's Word. And I thank Him for that. Thank Him that, that we have the blessed hope, that we have the, the peace and the promises. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yea and amen here tonight. But just wanted to preach a little bit on a, a thought that I've had here for, I don't know, two or three weeks. And you can find this in, in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. And we'll just read about six verses of scripture here. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, 
Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the profession. Let me start this over again. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of your profession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, as a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, if you were to read the first two chapters there in the book of Hebrews, you will see how Paul is trying to get them to an understanding that Christ is better. He is better than the prophets, better than the angels, that through Christ, he has made a better way. You can read there in Hebrews chapter six, 8, chapter eight, verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. And if you were to read through Hebrews, you will see that he is better than Moses, Joshua, priests of the Old Testament, and others. The Bible says, or Jesus said, all that ever come before me was thieves and robbers. But Paul is trying to get them to an understanding that what we have now is better. All those others, they served their purpose at the time. But when Christ came, he brought forth a better way. The way that we have right now is better because of what Christ has done. But Paul says here, in chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider him. Think about him for a moment. You know, the Bible says that we have not a high priest, that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Consider this man named Jesus. Consider that, that little baby that was there in the manger there in Bethlehem, how God sent down his only begotten son into this world that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Consider this man, the one that John the Baptist saw coming over the hill and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Consider this man. The one that, that Peter saw up there at the at Transfiguration when that voice come down and said, This is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Consider the man that walked on the water, the one that calmed the storms. Consider this man, the one that hung on the cross for our sins, that took our sins and nailed them to the cross. The Bible says that he was made sin who knew no sin. He had no sin in his life, but he took our sins the things that we deserve, the pain and the torture that we deserve. He took these things and he, he, 
bore our sins and he hung these things on the cross. The Bible says by his stripes ye are healed. The things of this world, they cannot give you what Christ can give you. The things of this world just want to drag drag you down. But Christ wants to lift you up. He wants to bring you up out of this pit that you're in, up out of this miry clay. And he wants to set your feet on a solid foundation. Consider this man, the one that the Pharisees and the religious crowd mocked him while he was up on the cross. Oh, you saved others. Why can't you save yourself? Consider this man, the, pro, the one that was propitiation for our sins. Consider him, the one that the Old Testament prophets prophesied about. That root of Jesse that's going to come. Consider this man. We need to do the same thing in our lives. We need to consider this man. We need to consider Jesus Christ. Who is he in our life? Jesus asked him the question, Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. Well, who do you say that I am? Talking to the disciples, Who do you say that I am? Peter stood up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is who he is. Consider him on our day-to-day basis, on our daily walk. If you're a born-again child of God, consider him. Consider him in all aspects of your life. If you've got a decision to make, consider him. If you're going through a trouble or trial in your life, consider him. Look to his word. Like we said, the Bible says that we're begotten by the word. Look to his word. The Bible says there in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, such as was in the beginning with God. Christ is the word. But consider him in our daily, daily walk. Consider him. Then the Bible goes on to say, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also was Moses was faithful in all of his house. Consider this one who was faithful to him that appointed him. Christ was faithful to the one that appointed him. You can read there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says, For as much as you know that that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions of your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. For verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. We were not redeemed. We were not We're not." Redeemed back to God through through money, through silver, through gold. You could not work yourself to redeem yourself back to God. It took the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You had to accept that free pardon of sin wherever it was in your in your Christian or your, in your walk of life. You heard about Christ. You heard how he was virgin born. You heard how he gave his life and how he rose again on the third day, and you accepted that as truth. And you asked God to forgive you of your sins and you became a child of God. You were born again. You're a new creature. But he was foreordained before the foundations of the world. God knew that man would fall. And there had to be a way to reconcile man back to God. 
Christ knew this also, that he would have to lay down his life for that to happen. And he was faithful to the one that appointed him. Christ knew that he was going to have to leave his splendor from on high, come down here, take on the form of a servant. He knew that he would have to do this to redeem mankind back to God. That's why he was faithful, faithful to the one that appointed him. Then he says, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. You see, the Jewish people in these times, they held Moses and these, these other Old Testament saints in high regard. And again, like we mentioned before, how Paul is trying to show them that Christ is better. So we've got to understand that when it says faithful in all his house, it's not talking about Moses' dwelling place. It's not talking about an actual house, an actual dwelling place that somebody lives in. See, I live in a house. I, I have my dwelling place. But it's not talking about a literal house. It's talking about Israel. Many times Israel is referred to as the house of Israel. Moses was set up over the house of Israel. Now you can read back there in Numbers chapter 12 how that Moses had married an Ethiopian woman and Miriam and Aaron did not like it began to murmur about Moses, murmur about Moses and these different things, saying, has God only spoken to Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And of course, God heard it because God hears everything. He sees everything. He knows everything. His eyes are going to and fro across this world. So he called them up into the congregation. And he told them, he said, and he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. See, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. That's what it says here in verse 5. And Moses verily was, verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. He was faithful as a servant. He was set over the house of Israel by God's design and God's purpose at that time. God set it up exactly how he wanted it, and he put Moses as a servant. But when you read verse 6, it says, Christ, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Christ as a son over his own house. Not talking about a literal house like we talked about before, but when he says Christ as a son over his own house, he's talking about the church, the body of Christ. He is the head and we are the members. There's one body, there's one head, but there are member, many members to this body. How do you give, become a part of the members of the body? Well, you've got to be born again. And he finished this work on Calvary's hill. When he cried out, it is finished. Moses didn't build Israel. He was a servant to God's house. God built Israel. Moses was a servant to his house. We did not build the church. Christ built the church when he gave his life on Calvary's hill. And you can read there in Acts chapter 2 how, how the 
the Spirit of God came down like a mighty rushing wind, and they began to speak in tongues, cloven, to cloven tongues of fire. And these men said, well, these folks are just drunk. And Peter stood up and said, well, these men are not drunk, being just a third hour of the day. But this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he began to preach Christ to those folks. And the Bible says that 3,000 souls got saved. That was the beginning of the church. You see, we did not build this church. Christ built the church when he gave his life on Calvary's hill. He, he started to, to work and move and he sent the Holy Ghost. He sent the other comforter. And those boys got a hold of that thing there in Acts chapter 2. And the church began to be built right there in Acts chapter 2. You see, we did not build this church. Christ built this church. So we are a servant to him. We've got to get back to that servant mentality. Well, we're serving Christ Almighty. Well, we're serving our Lord and Savior. Too many times we get the mindset of, Lord, I want you to do this. Lord, I need you to do that. We've got this thing twisted around where we made Christ our servant. But let me tell you, we've got to stay focused on him. Realize that we are the servants. And I'm not saying, don't you pray for these things in your life. Don't you pray for... Uh, that you, that you should be praying for, for God to heal you, that you should be praying for God to move in a situation, but don't forget to ask God to, Lord, how can I be a better servant to you? How can I draw a little bit closer to you? Lord, what could I, what would you have me do today? Don't get me wrong. You keep on praying. Bible says to pray without season. You keep on asking God to move in your situation, but don't forget to let him know that you are here, that you are willing to be used, that you are willing to be a servant. Like the old, Oh, prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me. We are servants. We didn't build the church. Moses didn't build Israel. So we are servants to Christ. The Bible says as a son over his own house. He built this thing. So we are servants to him. Again, don't, don't get me wrong and say that you need to stop praying. You pray. Like we said, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. You pray. If you're going through a troubling trial, you pray. If you're going through a situation, something's on your heart, you pray about it. But don't forget to, to pray that, Lord, use me. Lord, I want to be a servant. That's what we're here to do is to serve him. To serve the one that, that gave his life for us. That's why we're here. And I got to thinking. You know what does it take. To be a servant. What does it take to be a servant. Well one of the greatest qualities of a, of a good servant. Is you have to be humble. You have to be humble. It's a humbling, humbling thing to be a servant. Christ himself is a great example. You can read there in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He left his splendor from glory on high. He left the splendors of heaven. Made himself of no reputation. He didn't come down here as some earthly king. He didn't come down here 
You know, like we say with his name across the billboard lights saying, look at me. He didn't come down here as no king or nothing like that. That's what the Jews wanted at that time. They wanted Christ to, to be their king, this earthly king. That's what they wanted so that he could overthrow this Roman government. That's what they were looking for. But he didn't come down here with no reputation saying, look at me, look at what I've done. But he came in the form of a servant. Came in the form of a servant. And I got to thinking about that, the form of a servant or the characteristics of a servant. What did Christ do? What does a good servant do? Like we said, he's humble. We know that Christ was humble. What does a servant do? A servant helps people. What did Christ do? He healed the lame. He touched the sick. He opened the blinded eyes. He made the lepers clean. He made the lame to walk again. He had the characteristics of a servant. When he was fixing to go to the cross, when he was fixing to lay down his life, what did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. How humble do you have to be to wash somebody's feet? He was a good servant because he humbled himself. God knows the dangers of being exalted. God knows the dangers of not staying humble. The Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's why he gave Paul that messenger of Satan to buffet him. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, it says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul was given revelations about certain things. How easy would it have been for Paul to say, look what God has showed me. He didn't show none of y'all this, but look what he revealed to me. Get caught up in his self. How easy would it have been for Paul? But God sent that messenger of Satan to buffet him so that he wouldn't be exalted above measure. Anytime that we get exalted above measure, we're subject to fall. That's why we've got to stay humble. God will not use, God will not work through, God will not, not use somebody that is prideful saying, look at me, here I am, the me, myself, and I type person. Folks got the mindset that it's, it's either my way or the highway. We've got to lose that mindset. If, if that's the kind of mindset that we have, we've got to lose that thing and, and get the mindset that it's either God's way or the highway. It's either Christ's way or the highway. You can read there in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul said, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. He said, I've been on the top and I've been on the bottom. I've been in the good times and I've been in the bad times. But he says, therewith to be content. In the situation that I'm going through, therewith to be content, knowing that Christ is right there with us, knowing that he's with us every step of the way. As long as we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, living our life according to God's word, God is right there with you every single step of the way, leading and guiding you. But Paul said, I know how to do these things. I know how to, how to be on top of the mountain and I know how to be in the valley. Because I've been there. I've been through these things. 
You can read there about all the sufferings that, well, not all of them, but a lot of the sufferings that Paul had went through. How he was shipwrecked a day and a night in the deep. How he was striped without measure. How he came in the perils of his own countrymen. How he was beaten, how he was stoned, all these things that Paul went through. But he said, I know how. Even in those times, I know how to be on top of the mountain. And I know how to be in the valley. And therewith, whatever the situation is, therewith to be content. But a good servant must be humble. Another good quality of a servant can be found in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 1 through 5. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. There's that house again, a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Where, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So a good servant must be willing to sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice. You see, I could never... I can never repay Christ for what he has done in my life. I can never repay him for what he did on Calvary's Hill. Willing to sacrifice our time for spiritual things. No matter how much money you try to pay, no matter how much good works you try to do, you can never repay him for what he has done in your life. But the one thing that we can give him is our time. We can give him our time. We can spend time meditating on God's word. Spend time studying his word. Spend time singing songs that lift up the name of Jesus. Spend time giving him praise and honor and glory. Whatever it may be, when the spirit gives you that unction, giving your time to him. In other words, just be a willing vessel. Just be willing to do whatever God would have you to do. Sometimes we got to step out of our comfort zone sometimes. Well, I, I get too nervous. I get, I get too scared to, to do these things. I've been there. I still get nervous and I still get these things coming against me. Like, Lord, I just don't know. But if it's God's will, then you know that he's going to be right there with you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you in all things. But we got to give him that time. God is looking for willing vessels. Do you want to be a willing vessel tonight? Do you want to be used of God? Then you've got to start sacrificing your time. Laying aside these other things. 
Maybe turning off the TV for a little bit. Maybe putting your cell phone down. Meditating, reading, letting God reveal things to you. Not getting caught up in the things of this world. Be a willing vessel. That's what God's looking for. Sacrificing for the spiritual things. Sacrificing for the spiritual things. We know that the Spirit will lead you and guide you in all truths. We know these things. That's what the Bible says. That He will lead you and guide you in all truths. If, if Christ reveals something in your life that needs to change, are we willing to sacrifice that so that we can be changed? See, spiritual sacrifices also is to lack of a better word, trim the fat of things that, that aren't pleasing to God in our life. Sacrificing things for the Spirit. Spirit convicts you of something and you realize that it's not of God. Are you willing to lay that down? Are you willing to, to put it down? See, like we said, the Bible says that we are a new creature. A born-again child of God is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So you got to lay, lay these weights down, lay these sins down. The Bible said they so easily beset us. But God, Christ gives you the power to lay these things down. He gives you power above all the powers of the enemy to be able to lay these things down. But we got to we got to sacrifice. We got to spiritually sacrifice. Yielding your body to him, yielding your mind to him. The Bible says to cast down every thought and every every thought and every imagination that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Cast these things down. It wouldn't be in there if we wasn't able to do it. Amen. If we wasn't able to do it, it wouldn't be in here. But we are able to do these things. But you got to be a willing vessel. You can read there in Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. And we'll start reading in verse 10. Got to be a willing vessel. The Bible says, And as we tarried there many days, there came come down from Judah a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound it around his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we, and when he would not be persuaded, we see, saying, The will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. Paul knew that his time was almost up. He was willing to go all the way. He said there in Timothy, he said, I fought a good fight. 
I have finished my full course. I have kept the faith. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. We have to be willing to sacrifice spiritual sacrifices. We have to be willing to, to go the extra mile. We have to be willing to do what God's will is. Paul said, if I'm bound or not, I'm still going to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die for Christ. All the things that Paul went through, the Bible says, I did these things, he did these things for the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. Has anybody, maybe you've even said this same thing, maybe seen somebody that, that can play a piano really good or play a guitar really good or something like that. You say, boy, I just love to learn how to play piano. I just love to learn how to, how to play guitar. Well, you have to be willing to sacrifice your time to learn how to play that piano. You have to be willing to sacrifice your time to learn how to play that guitar. God's just looking for willing servants. He's looking for willing vessels, those that are willing to sacrifice their time for him. Sacrifice their time. But he's looking for a willing vessel. He's looking folks that are humble. Folks that want to be used. And another good quality of a servant. Another good quality of a servant can be found in St. John chapter 15. St. John Chapter 15, if I can get it, get turned here. St. John chapter 15. Verses 9 through 10. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in these things, or abide in his love. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. And he says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. A good servant must love. The keeping of the commandments showed Jesus' love for his Father. The keeping of the commandments showed his love for the Father. When we keep his commandments, it shows our love for him. 
What was Jesus' commandment? That you love one another as I have loved you. See, you take the love away, then you lose the humbleness and the will and the willingness to sacrifice. When you take the love away, you lose all the other. When we learn to be a servant out of love instead of obligation, it will change our whole perspective. When we learn to be a servant out of love instead of obligation, wrap your mind around that for, for just a minute. When we learn to be a servant out of love instead of obligation, it will change your whole perspective. Have you ever had somebody or asked somebody to help you do something that you know probably wasn't going to be the funnest thing in the world? Maybe you helped ask somebody to help you move or something like that. And the one that's helping you, they just seem to complain all the time. Well, I'll help you, but I'm going to complain the whole time. When you learn to serve, to be a servant out of love instead of obligation, it will change your whole perspective. Christ wasn't obligated to give his life for many the way that he did, but it was his love that kept him on the cross. He could have called down 12 legions of the angels at any, any point in time to get him out of there. But love is what kept him on that cross because he knew on down the line that folks that had no hope, that had no peace, that had no joy, that had no way of salvation, that they would now have a way because of what he did on Calvary's Hill. Love kept him on the cross. He died for me and you. Like we said, that we could have life and have it more abundantly. At any point in time, he could have just said no. I want to go back and be with my father. But love kept him going. Love kept him through all the beatings, through all the beard pulling out, through all the mocking, the scourging, carrying that old cross up Calvary's hill, taking the nails in his hands and in his feet, hanging on that old cross, dying, giving his life, raising the third day. He did all this out of love. You take away the love, and we've got nothing. His love kept him on the cross. The love that he had for mankind. The Bible says that he sent his only begotten son into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Love kept him on the cross. Love is what's going to keep us humble. Love is what's going to keep us keeping his commandments. That's how he showed his love for God. He kept God's commandments. That's how we show our love towards him, by keeping his commandments. 
You can read there in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 14. The Bible says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of my own self. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. His love kept him humble. His love got him to sacrifice all for the sake of the world. He is the prime example of a good servant. Prime example of a good servant. He gave his life for us. And he gave us the ability to serve him. To be a servant. When you become a born again child of God, you began to serve him. It wasn't the, the ending of it. When you got born again, that was the beginning of it. To serve him. Is there a servant in the house? That was the title of this message. I don't know if I said that in the beginning or not. I don't think I did. But is there a servant in the house? Do you want to be a servant of God here tonight? I know I want to be used of him. I know I want to to do the things that he would have me to do because he has done so much for me. But the Bible says back here in Hebrews, As Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. We are a servant to the man that built the house, the man that built the church. Not talking about the, the building that we go to, but talking about the body of Christ, the, the true church. Christ built that with his finished work on Calvary's Hill. Is there a servant in the house? Do you want to be used of him here tonight? The folks in the, the New Testament here, if you were to read Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant to Jesus, if you were to read Philippians 1 and 1, it says, Paul and Timotheus, 
the servants. And I'm not reading the whole scriptures here, but if you're to read Titus 1 and 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant to God. If you were to read James 1, 1, the Bible says, James, a servant of God. 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. These boys knew. These boys knew that it took being a servant. It took getting the me, myself, and I out of the way. Is there a servant in the house? That's what God's looking for tonight. He's looking for, for willing vessels. Those that are willing to, to be humble. Those that are willing to sacrifice. And those that are willing to love in all aspects. But we'll close with that tonight. Is there a servant in the house? I do appreciate you joining in. I do appreciate you listening. May the good Lord bless you. Till next time. I have found the way that leads the way. Thank you for tuning in to The Lifted Lamb Radio. We sure hope that you got a blessing out of this, because it sure was a blessing for us to be able to do it. Just trying to shed a little light to a world full of darkness. And until next time, may the good Lord bless you.